Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Greetings from New York City. It's Thursday, August the 3rd. This is Carl Rukadana, Chief U.S. Economist for BNP Markets 360. And today I'm joined by three senior U.S. economists, Andrew Schneider, Yelena Shilecheva, and Andrew Husby. Today's topic is consumers, and we'll touch on savings, more specifically excess savings, consumer spending, and income prospects. Andy, Andrew, Yelena, welcome to the podcast. Okay, let's start with you, uh, Andy Schneider. Uh, where do we stand on uh, excess savings? Uh, we, we've hit the peak. Uh, we've been on the on the downward uh, slide. Uh, so how much is left, and when do you expect this to run out? Yeah, thanks, Carl. So I think just quickly to step back and kind of delineate what we mean here by excess savings. So the pandemic caused this historic combination of income boost fiscal stimulus via the CARES Act and the American Recovery Act, and then as well as shutdowns of large parts of the service economy. So the two resulted in all-time highs in household saving. The saving rate hit a record 34% in April 2020. For some context, the prior record was 17%. And the pre-pandemic average was about 8%. So this stayed, this was the course all the way until September 2021, which is essentially when we hit a peak of excess savings. And in our estimation, this, you know, the flow of saving resulted in an increased stock of savings. And that peaked in August 2021 at about $2.2 trillion. So since that time, consumers have been running it down. That's kind of how they were able to spend it trend real rates of um, while dealing with high inflation, which essentially induced very high nominal spending rates. Um, so price elasticity then uh, was kind of muted by the, the wall of savings, if you will. Went by the wayside. Okay. Absolutely. And I think that's excess savings is really how we got to the point of consumers being able to deal with that high inflation, but still spend it strong real weights. But until now, until now, exactly. So Consumers did so by running down excess savings by about $85 billion per month or so. So as of the most recent data in June, we stand at $570 billion in excess savings. So from $2 trillion plus down to about $500 billion. Exactly, okay. exactly. And what does that mean going forward? Well, if consumers maintain a relatively similar rate of rundown, that means excess savings should be depleted by the end of this year. Doesn't sound like a good holiday shopping season. Uh... Omen. It's going to be a new era. And no, I don't think it's going to be as uh, merry of a, a Christmas, I would say, as uh, last year. Uh-oh. The, Gr- <laughs> the Grinch is arriving early here in, uh, in, in July. It's practically Christmas in July right now. Um, so talk to me more about the kind of distribution of those savings. Definitely. So we use kind of a, a whole different series of data to piece together stories of excess savings, not just for the aggregate, but for different income strata as well. And when we did this, what we found is that the remaining excess savings are really disproportionately held by the highest income order earners. So specifically, we estimate that the top income quintile holds just over 80% of remaining excess savings. Wow. Yep. The bottom 40%, they're already depleted. And then the middle 40 to 80%, they're running on fumes. They're going to be depleted just in the next month or so. So we're seeing this kind of depletion spreading further up the up the income um, spectrum and are we seeing 
signs of consumer stress coinciding with this? Yes, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So indeed, when we look at delinquencies on consumer loans, they still have remained generally low, but they are ticking up. So they were very, very low. Now they've begun to rise and they're about at pre-COVID levels. And what's interesting about this is overall consumer credit and leverage generally is still below trend. So this is not an excess leverage story. It's something else that's causing this initial incipient tick up in delinquencies. And in our view, it makes sense that it coincides with this depleted excess savings story. So what does that mean? Well, as we get to the end of excess savings, I think we can expect to see those delinquencies continue to tick up, especially if we see some weakening in the labor market. Then maybe more elasticity of demand as well. Definitely. Uh, in the inflation environment. So let's bring in Yelena now uh, to talk a little bit more about uh, you know consumer trajectory here. Uh, Andy already putting some dark clouds over uh, holiday shopping season. Um, what what are we seeing in the uh, consumption data? Are consumers losing momentum? I think we already see some nascent signs of deceleration. You don't have to wait for Christmas for that. So uh, uh, based on the second quarter GDP data, uh, we saw a significant deceleration in personal uh, consumption. So uh, if it was something like uh, uh, above 4% in the first quarter, uh, it decelerated below 2% in the second quarter already. So of course, in the first quarter, we had this uh, cola adjustment, very generous cola adjustment. The cost of living adjustment. Correct. Okay. Uh, which boosted consumer spending. So obviously did not repeat uh, in the second quarter. So you do see a deceleration in consumer spending going. So consumers were a weak spot then. We saw 2.4% GDP growth in the second quarter, uh, surprising most forecasters, but uh, consumers were weaker than the headline number. So they were actually a source of weakness in the True, true. And okay. uh, if you look at uh, more granular, uh, more high-frequency data, you see that too. The June personal income and spending report also pointed to some deceleration in certain discretionary spending categories. So it's a discretionary pullback, and, and we're seeing this in retail sales and some of the more high-frequency indicators as well, like totally. Redbook, for instance. Redbook, for instance, saw the first uh, decline year-over-year year since uh, the pandemic, actually, in uh, same-store sales in June. So it's happening right now. Um, another report, the personal income and spending report that I mentioned, uh, that showed uh, declines in inflation-adjusted uh, discretionary spending categories such as uh, travel and restaurant spending and other services. So that's a sign that maybe we will see further deceleration in uh, the second half of the year. Interesting. So at just the time when a lot of forecasters are kind of throwing in the towel on uh, recession calls, we're actually seeing some renewed weakening of, uh, of consumer activity. Mind yes. you, uh, we are going to see a significant uh, uh, headwind, uh, as uh, Andy mentioned, in terms of depletion of excess savings, but it's also a student loan resumption of payments uh, that is going to happen in the fourth quarter, in October, actually. People, in October. So yeah. all those student loan payments you didn't have to make over the pandemic, now the, the bill is finally... Totally. Uh, so uh, that we don't know the exact date uh, for, uh, you know, people to resume their payments, but it's happening in what, October. What is the price tag on that? Uh, 
in aggregate terms? Again, it depends on uh, the uh, person who, ha- who has the loan, but uh, in aggregate, it's about $100 billion, uh, which is quite significant uh, uh, in terms of GDP impact. And how does that compare to the, the cost of living uh, That's, tailwind that you suggested at the it's start the, of the year? It's roughly the same, just Similar with a, just with a uh, okay. opposite sign. So this is something to keep a, uh, a totally. careful eye on uh, going forward. Let's 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 bring in Andrew Husby now. Uh, you know, Yelena is talking about consumers facing some problems. Uh, obviously, uh, if they're depleting the savings, Andy's talking about they're going to be more reliant on on their paychecks, on their mm-hmm. sources of uh, income. So, what are we seeing on the income front, and more specifically in terms of you know, wage pressures and and whatnot? Sure. Uh, so broadly speaking, I think you could also say the wind is kind of coming out of the sails of uh, the wage uh, the wage gains we saw during the uh, peak uh, growth years in 2021 and 2022. Um, we got a uh, an employment cost index report recently, um, and, and that this showed is Chair this Powell's is Chair, favorite this, uh, <laughs> this is wage indeed, wage gauge. Indeed, it is, okay. and, and it showed the uh, the, the lowest uh, quarter on quarter reading really for about two years now. So. Uh, so really, that's telling us that, you know, one, yes, labor market is still tight, but it is loosening gradually and, and progress is really continuing in the direction of uh, where the Fed would really like to see it. Um, still still a bit too hot, but you know, as we're all talking about the income backdrop, uh, you know, there is going to be less of that, uh, we think, moving forward. Okay. Now, Chair Powell was asked about wage inflation a few times at the July meeting yeah. and suggested that maybe it was less important in the initial stages of the, the inflation flare-up. But uh, where do we stand now? How are Fed officials incorporating these numbers into their thinking on inflation and uh, potentially further rate hikes? Yep. Yeah. Broadly, um, you know, he is saying that uh, you know the first couple of stages of inflation during the pandemic really related to supply and demand, those big disruptions related to the pandemic. But now, wage inflation really is that last uh, last leg here, um, and and right now, again, things are moving in the right direction, but I think Fed officials are going to wake, want to make sure that really continues. Um, and, and we think that does continue, but they'll want to make sure it's still on track uh, as they think about rate hikes later this year. So the the last mile of the inflation the fight is going to be much more dependent on, on wage dynamics, exactly. it and sounds like. And we're not uh, back to target consistent levels there. Not there yet. Well, I want to thank all of our uh, speakers today for their insights on the call. Uh, and I, of course, thanks uh, uh, to our listeners for uh, listening in on today's podcast. Uh, if you'd like to hear more or access a Additional economic analysis and market commentary, please check out the BNP Paribas Global Markets mobile app available in the App Store and on Google Play. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation, or any form of advice from BNP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives, and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part. 